This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue, Blue podcast. We're back with another episode of the London is Blue podcast. If you're hearing this, I'm back. Yes, I'm back as your fifth or sixth choice host. Jesse, you did a great job hosting the last one. I did, did I? Go back and, yeah, you did. I did hear. I did go back and listen to it. And while I'm not the pro, I have just filled in for Nick in this interim. It's a very long interim period, but pretty much I'm pretty much going to say that eventually I'm probably going to be the host anyway. But uh, with the limited experience that I have, I felt like you did a really good job. So well done. Thank you. Thank I, I liked it. I liked it. Um, but we're here uh, to talk about the, the Birmingham game and uh, tense moments. We were just few few sweats coming down the you know coming down last night when I was watching the game but uh, made it in the end got the win but we're here joined by uh, an old uh, alumni in uh, Alex Ibseta. Um you know if you if you hear the other podcast that we're in you're pretty much hearing that just on another name so um, <laughs> we're here on London is blue with Alex Alex how's it going welcome back yeah not bad I'll try to be nice to Chelsea so <laughs> See, this the only difference now is you've got to be nice. Whereas in the other pod, you can kind of say what you want. So, you know. Yeah, I got it. There was a point. There was a point last night where I thought, I'm going to have to cancel Alex. If we don't win this game, I'm going to have to say, sorry, thank you for saying you'd come on, but I can't face you today. (laughs) It it got to the point where I just told Jesse, I was like, you know what? I'm going to message you later. Oh. So we can talk after. And then, yes, I think our friendship was almost ruined for the entire week. And I have to see Jesse twice this week in person. It's going to be a tense week, oh, I been, think. Yeah. Tense week. That would have been like, very awkward. I feel like I'm the balance of this friendship. Like, I'm just just not, like, I'm just there, you know? I just like I just have to balance the whole thing together. But it is what it is. Been been doing that since day one, so we're all good. Um, so we're here to talk about the Birmingham win, obviously. Uh, we're going to co- cover a couple of things. Um you know, obviously we were unable to take our chances against the low block yet again. Another theme, maybe something that we need to look at in going into next season, how they, you know, Emma and the team kind of, you know, uh, find a solution there. Um, we're going to look at Emma's changes that she made during halftime in the game. What happened? Were they good? Were they not good? You know, what can we what can we say about them? And goalkeeping. Yet again, the goalkeepers come in the, in the limelight, AKB doing AKB things. I don't know. It's it's just been a weird end of the season for AKB's reign. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, we're going to discuss all things there. But before we get into it, we're going to go through the three-word match review. Jesse, what's yours? One more win. <laughs> One more win. The chance, the chance of the night. Uh, Alex, what do you have for us? I don't know whether it's be nice or whether to really speak my mind. Uh, <laughs> this is a free podcast. Do... No one's judging. We're a democracy. I think I think I should mention that I am an Arsenal fan. So people know that, this by now. My three-word match review for this is for beep's sake. <laughs> is basically it. <laughs> She can swear on this podcast, can't she, Just For fuck's sake. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. There you go. There you go. See? There you go. Uh, and for me, it's it's icy cold vanilla. I mean, just penalty, the icy cold eyes goes one way. And, icy uh, cold vanilla sounds like a nice cocktail that you could have <laughs> on holiday. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's... Uh, that's always what, a what would it taste like, though, Jesse? <laughs> Victory. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> 
we gotta we got we gotta figure one out when when we when things happen. But anyway, we were obviously against Birmingham City on Sunday, May the first, in WSL at St Andrews, um, with scoreline Birmingham zero, Chelsea one, with a goal from Panela Harder from the spot. Um, Jesse, do you want to go through the team news for us very quickly? Yeah, I think there are some surprises in this lineup. Um, AKB starting, coming straight back from her suspension. I think that's probably something that no one would have predicted and definitely took me by surprise. Um, we played a back three of Magda, Jess Carter and Millie Bright with Guru Wrighton as the left wing back, Neve Charles as the right wing back. And then Jesse Fleming came into the double pivot in place of Aaron Cuthbert alongside Sophie Ingle. And then a front three of Harder, Beth England and Sam Kerr. Interesting. Yeah. And we had uh, a raft of changes uh, towards in the second half. But obviously the, the key one being Aaron Cuthbert coming on. Lauren James had some game time. Mielda got to play. Drew Spence, you know, when Drew Spence come on, you just want to shut it down. And then John Anderson with, a, with another appearance. So uh, quite a few number of subs used. I mean, looking at the stats, I mean, you, you really look at it stats and you go, really, how did Chelsea not score more? But, you know, 20 shots with only three on target and Birmingham with eight shots and two on target. So, I mean, from a from a clinical perspective, Birmingham, you know, really being efficient with their with their shots, um, 67% possession versus 33, double the amount of passes for Chelsea with 441 to 222, uh, 75% pass accuracy, two fouls to 10, a yellow card to three, three offsides to one and six corners apiece. Um, and Chelsea's XG 2.5 versus Birmingham's 0.2, which kind of shows the amount of chances they created, um, but just were unable to, 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 to put their chances away. Um, but before we get into it, I think we're going to quickly head into a quick ad break and we'll be right back. All right, our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because, well, it's hard to get a lot of micronutrients in, you know, we're all focused on our macros with protein, carbs, and, and fat. And now we got to add the micronutrients from fruits and vegetables. It's just hard to eat that many servings a day. So uh, I started doing it just to make my life a lot more efficient. I'm getting better gut health and a more uh, durable resistant immune system. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health your nervous system your immune system your energy recovery focus and aging all of the things again i do it it's easy it's fast it's quick uh throw up my shaker usually on my way home from work drink it 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 goes down quickly uh and like i said you get six servings of vegetables a day very easily uh, but hey don't listen to me athletic greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews it's recommended by professional athletes and is trusted by leading health experts such as tim Ferriss and michael gervais so right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition it's just one scoop and a cup of water every day that's it no need for a million different pills supplements to look out for your gut health to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to say give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We're back. Obviously, we've been covering the team every week. And uh, you know what? 
couple more weeks to go, one more game week to go. And maybe we have a special episode or two afterwards. Who knows? We'll see. Maybe we have some things in the works. You know, rate and review on Apple Podcasts. You know, if, if you've enjoyed the content that we've been doing over the last season pretty much, then we'd love you to to give us your thoughts and, and, and you know, five-star review. And, um, you know, on Spotify as well. And obviously we've been, you know, revamping the Patreon. Jesse's doing some great things over there with her six minute reviews. You know, I think they've been, they've been pretty popular lately. So uh, if you want to, if you want to hear some instant takes of games, then, you know, Patreon's your place to go, but let's get into it. Unable to take chances against the low block. I mean, it's just the same story of the entire season. I mean, I think at this point, just win the just win the league, win the game against Man United, and then let's just worry about it in the summer. Because at this point, it's just it's just the same story week after week after week. Can't really do anything about it at this point for whatever reason. Uh, it's, the amount of changes that we've made is like it just doesn't get solved. So the summer window is probably going to be the only way there. Um, I'll probably just you know, Emma has a couple of things to say. You know. She said, you know, I thought the first half, it was nervy. We were stressed in our performance. And I thought the first goal, you know, when the first goal didn't come, you get a couple of offside calls. I'll say it again. It keeps happening. Sam Kerr's onside more often than not. And they blow for offside because they're not conscious of how amazing her movement is. And I think we'll have to do better with that because we have to work hard for the space. I mean, Jesse, what did you think of the overall low block issue? I mean, have we just kind of repeated this over and over again? Yeah, I mean, obviously... I don't think, you know, some games it's not a problem at all. And I think it is as much about a bit of a mental block, maybe, for some of these players than it is actually a tactical thing. Because you kind of saw from like Harder's trance, Sam's trance within like the first five minutes that there was like room to get in there. There were there were opportunities to be had. I think obviously as it started raining and the game went on, the pitch became harder to play on. Um, which I think was a problem. And, you know, what Emma's saying, I think, about Sam Kerr being onside is like a real issue because we want to kind of play that way where Sam is on the, you know, shoulder of the last defender. But ultimately, when you've got, like, you haven't got VAR, you've just got lines people flagging, that's always going to be something that's a lot harder to do well because you can't just kind of, like, rely on that. So I think... It's a tricky one. It's obviously something that it's obviously a problem we've had, but I do just feel like, you know, even when you're looking at those stats, 20 shots, but only three on target, that I think that just tells you a lot more about the way we like snatch at stuff and try and snatch at opportunities rather than actually it being an issue of like where we're getting those opportunities from. No, that uh, that makes sense. But Alex, what did you what do you think? I mean, kind of the we've, we've said it, it's the theme of the season. You know, Jesse just listed out, you know, her reasons. But what do you think, you know, this this issue is coming down to that Chelsea can't, you know, seem to break these teams down? It is an interesting one because clearly they can and they get the chances to do so. But for some reason, it comes back to that mental block that Jesse mentioned as well Is you can't, you know, if Sam Kerr would have scored that first goal, that just ricocheted the crossfire just ridiculously hard and like if that goal would have gone in I think it would have been a completely different story as we've seen before in the season when Chelsea scores one goal against a team which they in theory should easily beat once they get that first goal it just opens the floodgates but when they don't and then you know again the pitch the rain the low block just mentally it is mentally tiring and when you don't get that goal it just it just obviously 
reflects on the kind of opportunities that you get that when you get in front of goal you just choke basically to put it very simply um but I think it is I, I think it is just that frustration that really affects the football because you know yeah that pretty old chance you know plenty of chances down the wing crosses in it's not like Chelsea weren't you know getting to the goal they were getting to the goal it's not like they were just just not able to break through and get the balls through into the box and stuff like that it was simply just mental frustration not getting the balls in and I mean obviously unlucky as we said again with that Sam Kerr goal so it's just Low blocks do you in more mentally, I think, than football, like on a football level, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think, I, and I think, you know, for me, I think it's it's becoming painfully obvious that it's not, you know, to some extent now it's not even the system. That's the problem anymore. It's like whether she plays 3-5-2, 3-4-3, it doesn't seem to be that anymore, where I think, I think there were low block games in the beginning of the season and the middle of the season where it was obviously the system issue, but I feel like these specific sort of games like Birmingham, where it's just pure frustration, it doesn't come to the fact of, you know, that the system is wrong or it doesn't work. It's just once the first goal doesn't go in, they just feel like they're unlucky, it doesn't work, and and and, and it doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't work there. And I think, uh, but I, I thought, you know, Prinilla Hard, I think, was in some sort of mood yesterday, trying, you know, like really trying to, to take the game, uh, you know, straight to herself. But, you know, if you move on to, you know, if you move on to, you know, you saw the first half, you know, I, I felt like the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes, they played quick football. They were making those chances of Samka's chance came after six minutes, but I felt like they slowed down. And I feel like the frustration breeds them playing a lot slower in games. And as they, you know, as they go forward. Um, and I think that's where they, they can't, they can't break it down, but, you know, going into the second half, you know, obviously Emma makes the change. She brings on Aaron Cuthbert. Um, she takes off Bethany England. Um, kind of just, a you know, both of you, like, Alex, what was your first thought when you saw that change, that switch happen at halftime? Well, to be honest, I was roped into watching a, a movie with my girlfriend, so I had it, I had it, like, next to me on the side. What movie really were you funny. watching? Yeah. Um, oh, what was it called? It was a really cute Italian movie. Um about this kid that has two dads and then they go through like this big family um situation and they find out like who the dad is i don't know it was actually really cute wait let me i need to like i'll, I'll this movie else. Corner. <laughs> <laughs> so while alex Basically. is looking for, for a film um... uh yes so that was i'm gonna find it well, I'll talk about Yeah, well, so you, just you want to fill talk. in with your thoughts? I was just going to say, actually, about the first half before we skip on to the second, is that, well, I guess this is about the game as a whole. I do think it's it can be easy to, like, overestimate how much sometimes teams just want to turn up. Like, as Emma kind of said in the post-match, like, Birmingham are fighting to stay up and they've put together some pretty good results recently in terms of doing that. And, you know, you look at a team like Villa who last week managed to hold United to a nil-nil draw, basically end United's hopes of getting into the Champions League. And then they turn up at Arsenal this week and like get thrashed 7-0. So I think it just shows that there's there's teams in the WSL who are, can put together defensively good performances. They're just not very good at doing it like consistently. And sometimes I think, you know, of course, when Chelsea come to town that like, kind of is your moment right to shine like if there's any game that you as a player are going to be like right I'm really focused I'm gonna like be really up for it it probably is this one in the same way that for Birmingham it was when Arsenal came as well right so you know I think 
it's easy just to focus on Chelsea. We are a Chelsea podcast. That makes sense. But, you know, the opposition are also trying to do something. And I think that's that is often a big factor in, in these moments that that teams you know, want to kind of put their bodies on the line, want to be really switched on. They want to get the the scalp ultimately. And that becomes even truer when Birmingham are like, literally every point counts for them. Yeah, no, I, th- I think I think that's fair. And I think, you know, I almost think like for them, it's if they can almost ride through the first 20, 25 minutes, they almost get the belief that they can do this for 90 minutes, right? It, it, the fact that it took 71 minutes and a penalty to get to the point of the goal, it, it, it you know, it, it goes, I mean, we've seen games against Reading, we've seen games against, you know, uh, you know, then Villa and, and, and teams like this where, if Chelsea score within the first 20, 25 minutes, it's floodgates open, it's 2-3-0 and the game's over. But then if if there's no goal for the first 45 minutes or the first 25 minutes, Chelsea start getting a little bit frustrated. It starts getting there and then and then it takes a lot longer for teams to break, get broken down. And you're right, when, when, when you have something to play for, it's a whole different story as against teams who just have nothing to play for. They just switch off their own on a beach somewhere just just chilling while uh, you know their bodies are playing uh, playing football but uh, but you know I mean but yeah Jesse's just sticking with that well, you know we, if we go into that second half what did you think of, of the change I mean I didn't love it because I love Beth England and I think she's playing really well at the moment and as I've said literally a gazillion times before I'm like if you're gonna need to pump balls into the box surely you want Bethany England there to like trying to be knocking the ball down and stuff like that. I understood why Emma felt like she wanted to like boost the midfield because of how deep the Birmingham's defence was. But to me, it just felt like if you want to take a player off, take Sophie Ingle off. Like Birmingham were creating almost nothing. There's, There's an obvious player who, you know, whilst she's obviously very good, I just felt like she's like a little bit more defensive minded. Maybe then you've got kind of both Jesse and Erin able to run from that midfield position. And then you've still got Beth for the rest of for the rest of the game. I think this is just like Beth just feels like such a unique player that there's not someone else on the bench you can bring on like her. And it just feels like a waste sometimes to be taking her off after 45 minutes. And I've got to be honest, I didn't like I feel like Emma's changes look good in the context of like that we scored and you know we'll come on to talk maybe about John Anderson which I think is a bit of a different one I know Erin got player of the match as well but I didn't think we looked that much better I didn't really think it it had like I think it's a bit of outcome bias to like look at these and I just think generally this hooking Beth at half time thing i even when it's like obviously tactical, not performance based, I just it doesn't make me feel good. You know, it's happened a lot this season. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and I think I think for me as well. I, you know, I, I didn't understand her um, her explanation. You know, she says I think you know at the half we missed Erin because it got transitional. I took Beth out because it felt, it felt like you know it wasn't a game for centre forwards. The back three dropped low, so I took one of them out to try and open the pitch up a little bit, and I thought that worked. But it got even better when John Anderson came into the game and her telling one moment for the cross for the penalty. Thank goodness, to be honest with you, because I don't think we should have let it get to that point. Now, see, my counter argument is, and Alex, I'm going to come to you with this. You know, I'm going to ask you this. I felt like 
she says that it was in the game for center forwards in the back three drop low, but isn't that, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that to me a game for center forwards as a back three, a three are dropping low because then you get a center forward to occupy a center back and then, you know, you have the crosses coming in. And I agree, if you, if, yes, it did get transitional, but as the game wore on, it was, I think Chelsea had enough in midfield to be able to, to screen and distribute without needing Sophie Ingles' presence there. Like, I understand if it was a GSO union, they're trying to break down the team from the, but it wasn't, it was Sophie Ingles. And I felt like if you brought Aaron for Sophie Engel, I think Jesse Fleming and Aaron could have easily been the double pivot and worked it. And if you have Beth up front, but Jonna coming on on the left-hand side for, you know, for, for somebody else, you could then play those crosses into two or three targets with harder pushing it up front and then getting them to overload the areas rather than take off a center forward and having more runners from midfield. But Alex, tell me if I'm talking nonsense. Well, I mean, you probably talk uh, better nonsense than I do. Let's put it that um, I do see why Yona Anderson would come on because of those crosses into the box. But then again, if that's the actual plan, wouldn't you have, you know, Beth England into the box for that? You know, you have, of course, Sam Kerr can kind of handle that responsibility on her own. But why not have Beth too when you're so desperate to score um, in a game like this? And I do agree that kind of the Chelsea midfield could have handled it on their own without kind of drastic changes uh, on purpose, I guess, as Emma put it. But it is, yeah, no, I, I agree with Jesse about Bethany England. I think Bethany, I don't know why I said Bethany. Um, <laughs> Beth. <laughs> you sound like a mom. Bethany, please score. <laughs> um, no, I do, I do agree that Beth kind of deserves a bit more, especially in games like this where she can be the game changer. Um, and it's... It's a bit frustrating um, when you look at her perspective. I mean, I'm curious to see what happens for the future, but it is a bit frustrating when, yes, Aaron Cuthbert is a good player. Yes, makes a difference in the midfield, but I think Bethany England could have had a much bigger impact in the second half, especially with the way that Chelsea played. But yeah, that's that's kind of my, my take on that. I feel like Emma is someone who, definitely this season at least, feels like she makes personnel changes to kind of try and shake everyone up and maybe that's like a result of having five subs available to you I do get like if you've got that option out there and you think it's not working like why wait um but at the same time sometimes you can maybe make like tactical tweaks tweaks with the personnel you've got on the pitch and I think that's something that I find like quite odd that it feels like and I understand that, you know, like there's lots of different players in this squad with very different profiles, which then obviously feeds into tactically the way you want to play. But also these are like very intelligent players. Like, could you not like ask like Sam or Beth just to drop a bit more and try that for like 10 minutes? And then if you want to make that change, make that change then. It just feels like it's often a very like knee jerk reaction at half time. Yeah, no, I, I and, and the thing is the profile of center forwards all three of them, to an extent, can play that role of a deep line forward. Hart has done it multiple times. Sam Kerr is really good with her movement. I mean, it's it's referenced multiple, multiple times. And she knows how to drop in. So it's not like they can't play it. They're not very limited. In that. I mean, they're not that they're limited in that sense. They're very versatile. So it, it just makes sense. But, you know... Um, we, we, you know, we touched on, on Anderson uh, coming on, but I think the John Anderson, obviously, 
you know, substitution was good. And I think, I think Lauren James coming on was, was another one. Um, what did we think about the change to, I presume was pretty much a back four with Carter going off and, uh, and it obviously Ingle coming in there, but um, it's, it's almost as if, you know, Anderson, obviously the cross helped with the penalty. That's three assists in three games from, from John and now it's just, it's just the freedom that she's now like, I, I know my future sorted. I don't have to worry about it anymore. I'm gone. So now she has that freedom to play however she needs to play. And she doesn't have to care whether she starts next week. She doesn't start. Where's her place? Jesse, what do you think? And maybe it is maybe it is a bit of freedom. I can imagine, you know, if you're in the Chelsea squad and you feel like you've constantly got to perform, some players thrive off that more than others, I think. And maybe Jonna is someone who kind of having that pressure lifted has allowed her to kind of like go with it but also at the same time I think John Anderson has always had this quality like we've won leagues off the back of John Anderson swinging in crosses like that it's no surprise to me that like at crunch time that's what's working really well especially when you know I know obviously the penalty like doesn't kind of come directly from Anderson or whatever you know but we've got lots of players who are very good in the air right so her crosses kind of suit the playing like that um I think in terms of the shift to the back four yeah I think it it made sense again I was kind of surprised it wasn't something that we did earlier maybe because it just didn't really feel like we needed that many players back and I, I have found it a bit surprising like how little um mainly Magda actually like has pushed forward in some of these games um we've kind of seen Millie go a lot more and I know we all love Arnold Clark Cuff top scorer Millie Bright getting involved but um, as much as I love her I think Magda is the the more quality player on the edge of the box so I think that was like a bit of a strange one too but yeah I think it made sense to to kind of shift it around and and be able to just push more attacking players up the pitch Um, but again I feel like the nature of this game was that whilst there were chances, there weren't loads of opportunities, you know, especially once you move past that opening 10 minutes. So again, Anderson does the cross, which leads to the penalty, but that was like kind of all that happened in the second half. So yeah, I don't know. It was obviously just like a really tricky day. And kind of, as I said earlier, like this is stressful. Arsenal had one seven nil. You go like knowing that if you, don't get the win like that's probably basically it done that's I feel stressed and I don't play for Chelsea as some of you might know um so I can't imagine that. I know they're professional athletes so maybe you don't you don't care or like it doesn't it doesn't get to you in the same way but I think it's a lot and I think we've seen this team we talk a lot about this team's mentality and I do think it is amazing but I think this season we've seen there's been enough wobbles that you can kind of tell that I don't think it's as strong as it was maybe last season. No, that's that's fair. And I, th- I feel like we're eventually going to get overlapping centre-backs with Millie and Magda just bombing <laughs> forward and putting crosses from there. I think that's going to happen next season at some point. They're getting so far forward at some points. That, that should have been the change. We should have put Beth yeah. at centre-back and just put <laughs> Millie or Millie and We should have put Beth and Sam at centre-back and put Millie and Magda up front. That would have confused the hell <laughs> out of them. Completely. It would have been like... <laughs> Mind games to the next level. Absolutely. That's it. That's that's next season's Emma. If you're listening to this, that's next season's tactics sorted. We'll we'll, we'll take the we'll take the money in the in the mail. Um, but 
you know, kind of moving on to the kind of the, the last thing, um, we're going back to goalkeeping again. I feel like this has been a theme that we've been talking about for the last like, you know, three, four weeks that the goalkeeping situation isn't the best just because AKB is not filled people with confidence and uh, it's becoming more and more apparent that Zachira Musevic is pretty much should be the number one now. Um, a couple of tweets out here from, uh, you know, previous uh, guest Harry Edwards saying, I, I must say I didn't expect AKB to come straight back in. Uh, rather another one saying AKB stands for Anne Catron, booked for time wasting, hashtag my keeper. And uh, Han Double Nutmeg says, uh, Musevich has to start next week for the health of all Chelsea fans. And, you know, just kind of on that last one, I think 100% that last minute when AKB almost flaps at the ball, kind of catches it, drops it, catches it. I was like, I was like sitting here with my hands. I aged and, years yes, in oh that moment. Oh my God. I was like, I'm now. 37. <laughs> I felt like my heart was like coming out of my chest. I was like, I think I, I was quite like, happy. <laughs> of course you were. Of course you were, Alex. Um, but yeah, Jesse, what do you think of the overall goalkeeping situation again, based on, on that final sort of heart wrenching moment that we've had from AKB? Yeah, I was watching this game with Carl Carpenter, and we had quite, quite an interesting discussion about this because. I've kind of said stuff like this before. Like, I do think I can see why Musevich is a very, you know, attractive goalkeeper. Like, she's got a lot of assets, especially with um, the, you know, how good she is with her feet. But at the same time, like, I still don't really feel like I've seen her super tested. Obviously, she made that save at Spurs last week, which was like, it was a good save, but I still think it's a save you, you should expect a goalkeeper to make. So... I'm still like umming and ahhing over who I prefer, but I do think AKB is stressful. I mean, she made some good punches early on in the game and that is a part of her game, which is mixed. I would say that sometimes she doesn't always get that, that right as we kind of saw later on in the game. But also I always think that seems really hard. Um, The the box, like they really filled the box as well. So yeah, I was really, really surprised she started. I was convinced after she got sent off that that would be like literally the last time we saw her in a Chelsea shirt this season. Um, I don't know if it's Emma's way of like trying to big up her confidence, like to come straight back into the team and say like, it's okay, like you made a mistake, like it doesn't have to matter. But for me, I would prefer Musevich because generally aside from the Wolfsburg away game, where I thought she was pretty awful, to be honest. Um, and maybe that maybe that's why I still feel a bit uncertain about it, because like there were a lot of moments there where I think she could have done better. And that's like really the only time we've seen her against an actually good team. So it does make me a little bit worried. But yeah, AKB does not feel like she's in a good place right now with her decision making. So sometimes I think with goalkeepers, you have to kind of lean into what it feels like their confidence is like and if you're Zachira I feel like your confidence has to be sky high and if you're AKB like are you really feeling good right now mm, I don't think so yeah that's uh that's the thing do do we think that if Zachira pulls off a really good masterclass against Manchester United next week that kind of you know eases your um what can I say your 
not doubts, but it's not like the small little bit of like. Yeah, I would like to see her play again. I mean, like. <laughs> I don't want to, I feel worried about seeing her play against a really good attacking team because I'm like, well, what if she's not like as good as AKB? And I do think AKB is like literally one of the best shot stoppers in the world in terms of like her reaction time. So I think Musevich is always going to be below that level, but it's like, there's never going to be a good opportunity to try it. Like at some point you're just going to have to like dive in. But at this point, I just, there's no way you can predict like what on earth Emma is going to do with this goalkeeping city i think mia erickson tweeted like this is like the one like thing that it's just not worth thinking about i was so certain we would not see her like so i would have put so much money on it but i didn't because that would have been a weird thing to bet on but you know for the best <laughs> alex you don't seem to have these sort of uh, issues at arsenal um but what, what is your take on the musevich musevich versus uh akb situation and who would you rather have in goal at this point well, it depends what what um, kind of perspective I'm putting on that question. Um, Put a Chelsea hat on. <laughs> oh, that's, 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 no, that's I, I, I think AKB, I agree with Jesse, is one of the best shot stoppers in the world, but I am more intrigued to see Musevich kind of play more regularly for Chelsea and see how her confidence goes up in a Chelsea kit. Um because we, I mean, she has played, she's played plenty of games, you know, to be able to kind of get used to the team, but to be consistently number one, I think AKB still knows that she's Emma's number one goalkeeper. And that mentally has a shift when, when, you know, you're coming in second for a keeper. And I, I think it's fine. Like it's fine. But like to have that confidence to know that you're the number one keeper of your team and your coach, that's a completely different confidence type of when you're going onto the pitch. Um, if you're a second keeper, you'll always have something to prove. And again, as Jesse mentioned earlier, you know, some players thrive off of that and some don't. So it just depends how it goes. But I would be curious to see Musevic play consistently more often and see how much that improves her. Because I think she can be, she can easily overtake AKB, I think, as the number one keeper in the league, especially. I think she'll she have that nailed down. And then in the Champions League, um, see what comes of that. But I think that AKB needs to how do I say this nicely um I think she should kind of slow down not her because obviously it's not up to her she's not going to be like Emma put me on I'm number one keeper obviously it's up to Emma Hayes and kind of everything else but I think Emma should kind of appreciate Musevich a bit more and, and be able to give her that regular playing time over AKB um and we'll see in the summer, obviously, you know, AKB is most likely going to go to the Euros. So maybe that might have an impact on what happens next season. Um, and that should be interesting. But against Manchester United, I don't know who I'd want to see. I think AKB would be, without looking at what's happened in the past few weeks, AKB would probably be the obvious option because of her experience in the WSL and with Chelsea. But then you look at what's happened in the last few weeks and the confidence levels and the mental shift, it might get to her in the last day of the season. So Musevich might have that extra confidence to go into the match. But I think realistically, if AKB started against Birmingham, I think she's definitely going to start against Man United. It is wild that when you think of, we're talking about these two goalkeepers and I do think they're both fantastic, but like, touching on the Euros, like they're both third choice for their countries, which just is absolutely mind-blowing to me. And I think also it just tells you like how 
hard it is to like unseat favored goalies um given that how how low low down the pecking order they come but i do think on the akb thing this kind of panic that she sometimes has it's not even like she's panicking it's just like she's done something silly like it never feels like panic she always feels calm in in the silly thing did you say manic that's no, the word. I That's what manic. I would say. I would say man. She's manic. Yeah, I accidentally said that. You said that. Um, because it just feels like she's like, oh my God, I've got to do something. But it's not like she's worried about it. It's like almost like she's excited. And then it's just the wrong thing. But I do think that's maybe why she hasn't always got the appreciation she potentially deserves. Because I just think at the highest level, it does feel risky ultimately yeah and i think um whoever starts next week is it's the ultimate power move for whoever starts in next week if one you know if akb starts it's like all right confidence and experience number one um doesn't really do much for musevic because he's like all right right, fine i can see why experience keeper i played a few games and i played more than i thought i would play this season so it's it's still good for her um the other way it's if musevic starts like all right ultimate confidence move you're my number one I'm trusting you in the big game where it really matters you know and maybe that's a sign of you are my number one going into next season unless something drastic happens in the summer so it is strange and kind of to your point Jesse of like the two keepers playing in a in a a top top side you know like Chelsea are both third choices for their for their national teams how often do you see that where a, a top club is is playing you know is you know they're playing keepers who are third choice for their countries I mean Either that shows that Chelsea either don't have fantastic good keepers or the country has a stack of really good keepers. And I'm inclined I think to, Sweden and Germany yeah. are just stacks. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. that's the thing. I'm inclined to say that Sweden and Germany have some pretty fantastic keepers. I mean, Hedvig Lindahl and Jennifer Falk are two fantastic keepers ahead of Musevich. So I'm, you know, if I'm Musevich, I'm like And Musevich is young for a goalie as well. Yeah. So I think that's why, yeah. like. Hedvig Lindahl seems like she's going to play until she's about 90 years old. So I don't know what Musevich is going to do about that, but like she's 25. So it's not really unexpected. It's more like AKB like has like two caps for Germany, which is just literally... That's, that's ridiculous. She, and can you imagine, can you imagine if Christian and Ler played for Germany? AKB would never oh touch Musevich. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but like it's, it's, it's just, you know, obviously Martina Vostekenberg just like has never really rated her. Which is fair, but then, and Alma Schut is playing so well, like there's no way AKB is going to get game time at the and Euros. I don't think. Is it me or is like I mean, think about it. Does every country have stacked goalkeepers? I mean, like England have a few. Obviously, Sweden. We've talked about Germany. Um, I don't think England's goalies are anywhere near the level, and some countries just like France. Like France have goalies, no, like they've, they've got, got like got, Sarah yeah, who's not even like first choice for Leon. It's like. All right. So she's then, not even they've fallen out, so she's not even in the squad. Yeah. yeah. PPM is, is a decent replacement. PPM well, is good. Yeah. But that was the whole uh, thing, right? In the beginning, it was all about the politics. But anyway, we're not here to talk about goalkeepers <laughs> in the national. I'll team. say Spain has good goalkeeping options as well. So yeah, yeah. I, I'd say I'd say they have uh, a couple of good options. But this is not a podcast about goalkeepers at the Euros. This is a podcast about Chelsea goalkeepers. Um but listen, just kind of rounding off with Emma's comments, um, you know, you know, the boss was full of praise of, you know, of, of AKB at full time saying that, you know, first of all, Anne Berger is a world-class shot stopper. That's her strength. I knew that having her in goal, that's what she's capable of. It's a big moment for her considering she was probably sent off. So I'm delighted for her and I'm, you know, and I am for the players that come into the game. 
Uh, I was listening to something Gary Neville earlier when he's, he's talking about how many managers really trust their squad. And I do to put Lauren, Drew, Marin, John and Aaron into this game because I value the work they, you know, they put in every day. And that's kind of to the point we talked about, you know, AKB coming in is just kind of a confident move saying, I trust you. I have confidence in you um, that even if you made a mistake, I'm okay with it. You can come back and still know that I want you in, in the side. Um, which again, kind of then maybe comes in going that, all right, you both are going to compete next season. One's probably going to be my key, cup, you know, Champions League keeper. One's going to be my WSL keeper, but I need both on side with me to be able to go in with confidence. All right. To kind of, um, you know, round it off, stand-up performers, Jesse, who's yours from, from, from yesterday? I'm going to have to give it to Penela just because that penalty was so, so cool. Like I've watched it quite a few times and, just the way she like opens up her body, sends the keeper the wrong way, and rolls it in. Like honestly, the the nerves of steel to do that. It it could not be me. I would collapse and potentially die if I had to do something like that. So yeah, um, pee for me, Alex. Yeah, I have to say the same. Um, I think I think the main reason is because of the the fiery eyes that she had on the pitch. Um, no, I'm kidding. But realistically, it is, you know, she's that kind of player that when the match is going in the wrong way, she kind of has that game face on and she just like gets her shit together. And it was, you know, it was a penalty, but the way she took it, I mean, she couldn't like she could not have hit that ball any slower. And that was just because she sent the keeper the wrong way. Like that was just absolutely that that was ridiculous like if I did that I would probably like trip over my own shoelace and then the ball would just not even go in um but no Pernil you know she's it sounds cliche to say but she's a big game player in the sense that her mental shift to put in the work when these games happen is just ridiculous she never quits like ever I think that it's like that's what it is when she has funny the eyes yeah Alex texted me being like oh Pernil's got her serious face on and it's so true she's just like like yeah different like her whole face changes really funny it's 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 crazy to see and you see that class level of above from so many you know big game players like you look at Wendy Renard at Lyon you look at uh Alexa Pateas at Barcelona you look at you know Amperni Lahad at Chelsea like these players win games for their sides and uh it's pretty obvious you know I mean you could have given it to Jesse Fleming another one with ice cold in her veins Canada's uh penalty taker as well so you know Chelsea have a few ice cold you know players in the freezer you can just pick out one after the other and just kind of throw them into a penalty situation but Jesse do you want to just this this all caps in the script do you want to just say this because I feel like you deserve <laughs> to say this should I shout it <laughs> yeah I think you can if Spurs beat Arsenal Wednesday we will have won the league and I spent so long trying to figure it out. So, uh, my brain was literally melting trying to do the maths because of all everyone having played different numbers of games. But that is true. I checked and I double checked. Do you know what and... the funny thing is? Spurs could actually do it because Spurs have become a good team this season. No, they I can't. Mean... They can't do it. <laughs> I de- I'm not holding out. I just I, wanted, I I wanted I, a reaction. We Alex. can't trust Rahan Skinner. <laughs> we all know that. <laughs> If, if anybody has heard, you know, if, if, if you know, you know, that's all I'm going to say. If you know, you know. Um, but I wanted, I just wanted to get a reaction out of Alex just, just by saying that. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see How are you feeling about the game, Alex? Are you yeah. feeling confident? Yeah. 
7-0? You know, after a 7-0 one gets Aston Villa, I'm feeling a lot better than I was like a few days ago. That's what I thought as well. I was at the Villa game and I was like, the way Arsenal were playing, it was just like, they. I mean, they didn't even have to be good, to be honest, but you, no. you can just tell when you're banging in goals like that. Like When Viv I, is shooting outside of the box like that, just because she wants to. I mean, to. Villa did roll out the red carpet for her, so. Yes, but yeah, did. I, but I still, agree. I agree. I think, yeah, the confidence levels are, are high. I think off of this 7-0 win, then off of what happened earlier in the season, obviously. I think, and playing at the Emirates, I think it should give a big confidence boost to Arsenal, which hopefully will go hopefully. In, in big in our favour. But anyway, regardless, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Shout out to CFCW Social for uh, tweeting that out. But, you know, um, very quickly, I think I know, I'm literally will spend maybe two minutes on this. A little United preview going into going into next week. Obviously, played twice, won twice this season. Having had it done, arguably our best league performance of the season came in the reverse fixture. Um, and there's a current aggregate score of 9-2 across the league in the Conti Cup. Uh, you know, it's... Um, it's it's a big game, but we seem to be winning it every time we go into it. Penny Lahada, another, you know, hates Manchester United, so we can expect a big game performance to to kind of round it out. But uh Jesse, I think you have some some news for, for this game. Yeah, we're gonna have guests at King's Meadow. Nick, Brandon, and Dan are gonna be down to hopefully watch us lift the, the WSL and then um they're coming to the FA Cup as well the week after. So Sadly, Abdullah, you won't be there, but we'll you will be in our hearts, which is basically the same thing. I, I appreciate it. You know, just I keep asking for a cardboard cutout to be made <laughs> in every podcast that, that you guys are at, or you know, think, oh, I think we're gonna make that happen eventually. But you know, um, I'll be there across the zoom, uh, across the zoom table. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to to ask my presence will still be there for anybody that does care for me if, if I'm on the pod or not. Um, that'll be good. But I think. You know, United obviously technically feel like they're playing Champions League, fourth Champions League football, but the reality is the ship has sailed. It is what it is. I think City, you know, can we just say very quickly, I don't know when we're a Chelsea pod, but City have kind of randomly come back under the radar. No one's really paid attention and they kind of come sad, you know, like how Nobody have they come, that. How they come back? But anyway, they're a fake team. <laughs> they're a fake team. But last team fake manager. <laughs> Oh, God. Last but certainly not least, Fran Kirby, shout out. She tweeted out the other day um, that she's coming back very soon. She's back on the grass next week. I mean, great news. I mean, it sounded like she was going to be out for a while, but to hear news so close, I think, is is, is great news uh, for everyone involved. Yeah, I think it's really exciting. I mean, I don't know if we're going to see her play for us this season. It feels like it's, you know, all a little bit, it's all going to be a bit too quick. But it's nice from an England perspective, I think. And, you know, I hope she still gets in that squad. Um, I think she deserves to. And I think, you know, she's obviously had some some tricky moments, but it's good to see that, you know, maybe she just needed that time away to be able to just say, like, there's no pressure. I'm not, like, fighting to get it fit, fighting to get on the pitch. Um yeah, I think to come back so quickly, that kind of suggests maybe she just need a little break. Like it is, it's crazy. She didn't basically didn't play football for a year and then has this like totally wild season where she's amazing. Then she goes to the Olympics, which, you know, I think personally obviously was a really big deal for her as well. Um, because it's something I know that she kind of always dreamed of with her mum. 
Um, and then you're like straight back into it again. And I think that is a lot to ask a player. And Fran's clearly someone who needs that time and that space maybe to be able to, to reflect on things. And I think it's, you know, important to recognize that this schedule is very, very punishing for a lot of these players and it's okay for a player to, to maybe need that space still. And it's cool that the club are like happy and willing to support her. I mean, why wouldn't they? Because she's obviously outrageously talented, but yeah, it's great to see. Um, and even if we don't see her in Chelsea's shirt, this season, I'm looking forward to watching her lift the Euros at Wembley. It better oh, the Euros. wow. <laughs> <laughs> After so many semi-final performances, they, uh, I think they need to. But anyway, that brings us to the end. Um, thank you for everyone for listening. Thank you, Alex, as always, for coming on. We'll have you on again next season, um, as, you know, as, as always. Uh, but listen, keep the blue flag flying high, and uh, we'll see you soon, Chelsea fans.